this might be the same for you, but when I think of wilderness, I have a particular image that comes to mind. For me, it is Ghost Ranch near Abiquiu, New Mexico. I've never been to the Sahara Desert, but I have spent time out west. And for about eight years, I made an annual visit to Ghost Ranch to help lead a retreat for missionaries returning home after their terms of service elsewhere had ended. You know, many of us going through times of great transition feel like we are in the wilderness, so it was the perfect spot to hold this retreat. And that part of the world, well, it was so different from where I had grown up that I would often try to fly out a day early or stay a day later just to relish and savor my surroundings. It's funny, in some ways it seems barren in that dry, dusty desert, but really, there is a lot of life there if we but take the time to notice it. Like all you might notice at first are those desert tumbleweeds that spring up quickly but have shallow, skinny roots so they blow away once the rain stops. But the saguaros, those giant cacti of the desert, they're amazing. They can last for centuries because their root systems are broad and deep and they're as deep as the height of the plant above. On some of those visits to Ghost Ranch, I would get up early or I'd venture off around dusk and hike just a little ways away from the ranch just to be by myself and to see what I could see. If you sit there long enough, you might see a hawk fly over or notice a prairie dog running by. And if you're out there in the evening as the moon rises, you might marvel at the vastness of the starry night. And you begin to realize with great somberness that you are a very small part of the galaxy. It's quite humbling to ponder that moment of truth. And I have to admit that I wouldn't have to be out there very long by myself in that dry, dusty place before I got lonely and felt scared and lost. Yes, in the midst of that harsh landscape, the desert has a way of stealing one's self-confidence. It reminded me of my mortality and the words we share every year on Ash Wednesday would come to mind. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Friends, today is the first Sunday of Lent. It is a 40-day spiritual journey that invites us to walk with Jesus towards the cross and the resurrection on Easter morning. Every year we begin in the wilderness which can be a terrible place to get lost or lose your bearings. But it can also be the place to find God and find ourselves and find that we are not alone. So to begin, let's think about the significance that the wilderness holds for the people of Israel. Israel wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, learning to trust God as they headed to the promised land. Elijah? Elijah spent 40 days there before hearing that still small voice of God on the same mountain where Moses spent 40 days listening to God give the law. And now we have Luke's story about Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness, strategically located between his baptism and the launch of his public ministry. That's right. 
still dripping wet from his baptism, Jesus finds himself in the wilderness where for 40 days he was tested and mightily tempted by the devil. In truth, the wilderness is not usually a place we choose to go. Indeed, the wilderness can be a frightening place that seems to whisper from the shadows, you are all alone. It's usually not a place we choose to go. Yet sooner or later, we who are Christ followers will find ourselves there. Recently, I read something by Jim Harnish, the former senior pastor here at Hyde Park, and he put it this way. Sometimes we are forced into the wilderness by circumstances over which we have no control. Wow, things over which we have no control, like hmm, a pandemic that encircles the globe or disruptive social change that causes us to surrender our position of preference or power or the humiliation of a moral failure or the devastating invasion of the people of Ukraine or like the death of a relationship or even the death of someone we love. Changes over which you and I have no control, take us to places where we would not choose to go. Yes, there are times we find ourselves in the wilderness like Jesus. So I wonder, where have you experienced the wilderness in your own life? Perhaps, perhaps it was in a hospital waiting room or on the other end of a telephone line hearing difficult news. Wherever that place is for you, 40 years, 40 days, 40 minutes, wilderness time can feel really long. For Jesus, it was a time of self-examination and preparation for his future ministry. A time for him to choose, choose the way in which he was going to live out his baptismal call as God's beloved So imagine, Jesus is incredibly hungry after not eating for so long. I mean, hungry, not the, I'm bored, so I need to eat something hunger, but he's starving. His body's weak. His belly is beyond grumbling. He is in need of sustenance. And it's no wonder that the first thing the devil does is pull a loaf of bread out of his backpack of temptations. Seriously, the devil comes with some very tempting offers for Jesus in this time of need to turn a stone to bread and thus satisfy his hunger, to worship the devil and gain influence over the whole world. Such power dangled before Jesus. And finally, a taunt to test God's promises in a free-for-all faith experiment. These, all of them, Jesus rejects, preferring instead simply to trust God. Now, I would venture to guess that it's not very often that we, any of us, find ourselves tempted in these ways, but it does warrant some time to ponder these temptations. What was it that helped Jesus resist? I mean, even in his hunger-induced situation, what helped him resist was that he remembered 
Jesus remembered Moses' interpretation of the way God was at work in the lives of the people through their experiences of hunger in the wilderness. Jesus remembered the past. That's right, he remembers and he stands on the faith of his ancestors and he finds their words to be rock solid in the face of temptation. As one Lutheran pastor put it, Jesus might not have anyone with him in the wilderness, but he is not alone. How about you? How do you tell that lying talk in your head to scram, to beat it? What helps you stand firm in the face of your own temptations? I think that sometimes our greatest temptation is to believe that we are alone. That God has simply abandoned us and God cannot be trusted. But if we stop and think about it, we too can draw strength from those who've gone before us, those who walk with us even now. Family and friends, a support group, a therapist. Truly, this is what gives me strength. You, your presence in my life, it lets me see that Jesus is with me, with us, in the midst of it all. This past week, I had conversations with two church members going through their own wilderness wanderings right now. One of them said, God and I will get through this. I don't know how right now, but I know we will. There was a deep assurance that brought strength and comfort. And the other one said, I certainly did not expect this. This diagnosis is very scary, but I have felt God with me especially through my small group, and I know I am not alone. In remembering the past, Jesus could stand up to the taunts of the devil. And knowing that Jesus is with us in the wilderness, I think it helps us do the same. But I want to say that sometimes going through the wilderness, especially the wilderness of anxiety and depression, well, it can take a really long time. So allow me to share a story of wilderness from an Episcopal priest, Chris Garada. These are his own words. Thinking about a true wilderness experience makes me think of my grandfather. He was a very good man, a child of the Great Depression. He served courageously in World War II. And after returning home from the war, he met a feisty young lady who would become his wife for over 60 years. And together, they had three daughters. My grandfather was a quiet man a very hard worker who became a successful business owner. He had all the things he was supposed to have and lived the kind of life people worked hard to build. Life was good. And then one day, as his oldest daughter, just barely a teenager at the time, was riding in a car with some friends, the driver lost control. The car flipped off the road. All four passengers were thrown out. Three of them walked away from the accident, but the car rolled over Nancy. She was rushed to the hospital and did not survive. In an instant, the life they had built changed forever. My mother, who was barely a teenager when her older sister died, said that my grandfather never really talked about the accident. He simply got quieter and worked harder. Years ago, as I was beginning my life as a priest, I asked my grandfather how it felt to lose a child in such a tragic way. He was quiet for a few minutes, and then he told me about the years that followed Nancy's death. He said that losing Nancy 
was the worst experience of his life, and it made him question everything. He'd always been a church-going man, but when he lost Nancy, he didn't want to go back to church. He said he realized that his faith wasn't much deeper than obligation, that he had been going to church and being kind and good and charitable only because he was supposed to, not because of any real deep faith. He spent years questioning God, angry with God for taking his child. He was confused and hurt, and the anger was overwhelming. He was truly in his personal wilderness. And then one day he said something changed. It changed inside of him. One day he realized that his anger and hurt were all because he thought he knew how life was supposed to work. He thought that if he lived a good life, an upstanding life, if he worked hard, then he should expect, even deserved, good things in return. And he finally realized that he had been cutting a deal with God rather than trusting God. He finally realized that he'd been cutting a deal with God rather than trusting God. He told me that he realized he had a choice. Either he could ignore God's presence in his life and let anger control him, or he could accept that God was there, that God was always there, and trust that God's presence was with him was all that he really needed. My grandfather had been in the greatest wilderness of his life, walking a journey that was raw and exposed, and he was tempted with the most significant of temptations, that God cannot be trusted, and that he was all alone in his wilderness. The truth is that there's a direct link between trust and temptation. To the degree that we can trust God for our daily needs, our sense of purpose, our identity as a beloved child of God, the temptations of the world have little appeal. But to the degree that we allow our natural insecurity to lead us to mistrust God, we become open to deception and temptation that life is all up to us that God is nothing more than a figment of our cultural imagination, and we had better take things into our own hands. For my grandfather, he came to a point when he knew he could continue living in spite of God or he could open himself up to trust that God was with him, that God loved him, and that God would never leave him. And he said he made the choice to trust God again, even though he knew that building that trust would take time and it would take work, and that he would have to remain faithful, not to God, but to the choice to live with God. And so we did. Choosing to trust God is never easy, and that choice is never made in a single moment. But that choice made each and every day will help create good habits of faith that will give us strength that we need to travel through the wilderness periods of our own lives. Friends, as Jesus' earthly ministry unfolds for us during this season of Lent, the meaning of his baptismal commission is revealed. Barbara Brown Taylor put it like this. Yes, he refused to turn stones to bread, though we see Jesus feed the hungry. Yes, he refuses political power, but the proclamation of God's kingdom of justice and peace breaking into our earthly existence is the focus of his public preaching and teaching. Yes, he refuses to jump off the temple to see if God will send angels to catch him. But Jesus goes to the cross, confident that God's will for life will trump the world's decision to execute him. 
It's not about avoiding death, but about living into the fullness of life, trusting that God is with us and that we, we are never alone. Will you pray with me? Thank you, God, for reminding us that we are not alone in whatever wildernesses we find ourselves. Not only do we have a community of faith, we have the promises of God and the communion of saints who've gone before us. And we, like you, Jesus, do not head into the wild without feeling the waters of baptism dripping down our foreheads, without hearing that we too are God's beloved. May we go into this season of Lent confident that you can be trusted and that you walk the way with us every day. Amen. It is a gift and a privilege to walk the way together. And your generosity enables us to make God's love real in a multitude of ways, locally and globally. Please join us in supporting the ministries of this church. You can give online, you can text, you can mail a check. Thank you for your generosity.